Amen, amen. You guys can go ahead and have a seat this morning. My name is Jesse Pauley. I'm one of the pastors here at Ridgecrest. I'm not as funny as Justin, and I'm not as smart as Matt, and, uh, uh, and so I normally do that. And so if you're here and you're visiting with us today, we're really thankful for that. And so since that's normally what I do, it, it, it feels pretty appropriate for me to, to start today with a song. If you ask my wife or anybody who deals with me regularly, and it is a, a dealing with, um, I'm, I'm pretty much always humming or singing something. I don't listen to a lot of music. I just kind of hum along. And, and if you ever are interacting with me and you think that means I'm not paying attention to you or I'm not conversing, you're, you're pretty wrong about that. I, I just kind of am always humming, even if you're talking to me, I'm listening. Maybe it even helps me listen more. But, but a song, as I thought on the passage we're preaching today, a song that kept coming to mind was this. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love and power. Man, I love that song. I love how kind of haunting it sounds almost. And that's how many of us came to Christ with sort of that haunting feel that we were coming to him giving up something major something coming to him laying down what we had and, and we came to him broken and we came to him needy and poor and weak and wounded and sick and sore and that was for many of us the way that we came to Christ and we found rest in the salvation that we found when we came to Christ but if you're like me you've often wondered what do we do after that? We come to Christ and we come to him broken and wounded and sick and sore. And, and he did. He stood ready to save us. But what more is there? My brother, uh, who grew up in and around the church, the same church that I grew up in and around in south central Kentucky, uh, but, but wasn't really a believer, came to faith a few years ago. And it was a wonderful uh, kind of glorifying experience for him and for a lot of people around him. Uh, but I went to lunch with one of the pastors at my home church not long after my brother came to faith. And, and I asked them, I said, well, well, man, I'm so glad that Ben, my brother, I'm so glad that he came to Jesus. What does he do next at our, our church? was called New Friendship. What does he do next at New Friendship? And the guy kind of said, I I guess he can serve in the youth ministry. And that was the answer to sanctification. Now, it is in some ways really an answer to sanctification. You will be sanctified through that process if that's your path. But that's what they had. That was their answer. I mean, I guess he can just go serve in the youth ministry. And let me tell you, the invitation of Jesus is to much more than just the forgiveness of your sins. The invitation that Jesus extends is much greater than that. If you have a Bible, turn with us to Matthew chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, well, there's going to be one in the pew in front of you, hopefully. If you want to take that pew Bible and turn to page 816, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 is where we will be today. And if you don't have a Bible, that one's yours to take home. We'd be glad if you would take it with you. We probably need a restock here soon. 
Matthew chapter 28 verses Sorry, Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This passage for, for many of us has served as a salvation, a come to Jesus for salvation passage, and it surely is that. It is an invitation to rid ourselves of the burden of self-righteousness, to lay down the shackles of rebellion. Surely that is true. All who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, that is any of us. We've, we've come to Jesus, we know that that was us. And we surely know the rest that our eternal salvation will bring. And so I think this is the peg on which we've hung this passage. This is a passage about salvation. This is a passage about eternal rest. Surely Jesus cannot be talking about rest that we may feel here. Because most of us are not restful. And so we see that as an ideal and an eternal but I believe this passage today is calling us into something for the here and the now. I believe if we look closely, we will see that Jesus is calling us to not only lay something down, but to pick something back up. Jesus is calling us to take on his yoke. And as the slide has told you before, what his yoke surely looks to be is taking on the whole life of Christ. We don't just get to lay something down, we must pick up the whole life of Christ. See, he calls us not to just lay down our sins and lay down our burdens, but he calls us to take up his yoke and his burden. It is still a yoke and a burden that we've been called to. Now, they are light and easy, but it is still something that we must take up. Now, this is not works-based salvation. Don't you dare go accusing me of that this morning. What this is, is salvation worked out through your sanctification. Sanctification surely requires works. It surely requires us to do something. This passage is telling us to take on and put on the yoke and the burden that Christ has given us. So surely it must require something of us. We are working out our salvation through our sanctification. This is what my brother was missing. This is what he should do after he comes to faith. He is called to put on the yoke and the burden of Christ. And so what is this yoke and this burden of Christ. Well, it sure looks to be obedience. That's what we've meant it to mean in a tremendous amount of ways. We've been called to an obedient life in Christ. Matthew 28, verse 20, at the end of the Great Commission, says, Not only are we called to go and evangelize, we're called to disciple them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This yoke requires us to follow 
Not the law of Moses, but the law of Christ. Not the Jewish law, but the law of love. So it is obedience to the way and the commands of Christ. Surely and truly it is. We have not rarely missed that. Second, it is not just a call to obedience, but it is a call to righteousness. The yoke of Christ is a call to learn from Christ, as he says in verse 29, right? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We are learning righteousness from Jesus. 1 John chapter 3, verses 9 through 10, tells us that no one born of God makes a practice of sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident we who are the children of God and who are the children of, devil, of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. At some point, as Dallas Willard says in the Spirit of the, Spirit of the Disciplines, which much of today is, is kind of from his thoughts in this book, he says, either I must intend to stop sinning or not intend to stop. You either must intend to stop sinning, which surely sounds a little bit crazy, doesn't it? Or you are saying, I intend to not stop sinning, which surely sounds quite unchristlike. We're left with that as the option. So the call to follow Christ in his whole life is surely one of obedience. But as I want us to see today... The oft-neglected call to follow the whole life of Christ is the call towards the disciplines. Call towards discipline. Hebrews 5.8, talking of Jesus, said, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. If Christ must learn obedience, how much more should you and I have to learn obedience? If this was something that Christ was molded into, how much more will we, sinners, need to be molded into this? So we must train ourselves. Learning from Christ, as verse 29 says, in the vein of Christ, through the life of the disciplines. And the disciplines, very simply, are things like prayer, fasting, study, worship. And this is what we will think through today. But I think the reason we've often neglected the disciplined life is because we are afraid of it. We hear Jesus' words say that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but we don't believe him. We don't believe that the disciplined way is truly a light and easy way. Today, being Independence Day, I think is... Proof of that in many ways. We are scared of the disciplined life because we don't want to be yoked at all to anything. We want to be independent. We are surely fine to lay down our burdens, but we don't want to put any other yoke back up on our necks. We are afraid not just of dependence upon Britain, but of dependence upon anything. We are afraid that something like this will hold us down. As come ye sinners jaunted our memory and jolted our memory earlier, so does one of my favorite songs kickstart for us a theology of our age. I almost had Elijah stay up here and play the intro for me. 
Maybe you want you want to? We just played it a couple weeks ago. It's not a Christian song by any means, but I might sing it. I wanna run, I wanna hide, I wanna tear down the walls that hold me inside. I wanna reach out, touch the flame where the streets have no name. If you haven't taken a chance to go listen to the whole of Joshua Tree by U2, uh, you should do it. It's really just a wonderful album, one of the best ever. And it starts with this really great little electric riff that I made Elijah play a couple weeks ago in another song. But it's a song about independence. I want to run and I don't ever want to look back. I want to be able to do what I want to do. Go to a place where the streets have no name. This is anarchy. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to be shackled to anything. Lay down my burdens, cool, but put something back on, that's where we'll stop. We don't have any time for the disciplines, for this. We want to do what is right in our own eyes. We want freedom. We don't want the yoke of Christ because it yokes us to something other than ourselves. But what we will find is that true freedom will only come through binding. True fulfillment will only come through submission. And true rest will only come through discipline. But Christ says that this is easy. And if any of us in here have tried it, we have surely found it not easy, right? But that's what verse 30 says. Verse 30 says, my yoke is easy. My burden is easy. Is light. Yet every time I have tried to emulate Christ, it has been hard. Isn't this true for you? Every time, every time I've tried to emulate or imitate Christ, it has been difficult for me. I mean, he asks us to do a lot of really difficult things. He asks us to love our enemy. And he says that anybody who looks at a woman, even looks at a woman lustfully, has already committed adultery. He tells us we can't be angry with our brother. He calls us to die to self and carry our cross. But somehow in 1 John 5, chapter 3, he says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So how is it easy? How is the yoke of Christ easy? In a few weeks, we will hopefully get to watch the greatest thing that happens every four years. Uh, the Olympics are coming up. And if you don't know me, you, you should know that I love the Olympics. We've not had one while I've lived in Greenville. We should have it last year. But hopefully we get to have it. I love it. I mean, I, I'll spend all my time watching, like, fencing. I mean, I don't really care what it is. I just think it's all awesome. And I'll get, really like, super deep into this Argentinian bicyclist story, and I'll start crying when I'm watching him because he's fighting really hard for his wife back home or something crazy like that. It's so good. I love the Olympics. And one of my favorite, like most people, I love to watch gymnastics, right? It's so cool. They just do unbelievable things. And I only, I've ever watched, I know that they have gymnastics tournaments all the time, but I only ever care about it every four years when it's the Olympics. The rest of the stuff can just can forget about it. And somehow I stay up to date and I am an expert every four years when it comes up, right? Like we all are. Of course, that was a 10. Come on. Just next. They do unbelievable things. 
But if I were to go to a gym and you put the uneven bars over there and you said, all right, Jesse, go on up and do some tricks for us. If I did anything other than just kind of hang there, that would be super impressive, I think. I can't do anything other than hang. And really even that for more than probably two or three seconds. Right? I've missed arm day and leg day and ab day and back day a lot. (laughs) I'm not doing any of that. They're unbelievably impressive. That would be insanely hard to just ask Joe Schmo off the street to go and do anything on those uneven bars. But, but in a few weeks, I want you to watch Simone Biles do it. She's our gymnast. She's our top gymnast. She's probably the best ever. She's so great. And watch her do it flawlessly. And when she does it, she makes it look easy, right? She almost makes, it, makes you think, oh, I could do that. It's so automatic when she's up there, whatever she's doing, beam or uneven bars or the vault, it's so great. And how is she able to make it look so easy? Well, it's not because in that moment she really willed herself up and psyched herself up to be able to do this thing well. It's because Simone Biles has lived a drastically different life than Jesse Pauley. She didn't miss any of those days. In fact, she probably created 10 or 12 other days she was supposed to hit. She ate different, and she trained differently, and she thought differently than I did. And she lived in a different place so that she could live closer to this gym, so that she could go and do this stuff. She lived a much more different life than I have. She's prepared her entire life for this. And so here's why our imitation of Christ has often seemed so difficult. When we try to imitate Christ's performance, but we neglect to imitate his practice, then we end up in frustration, right? When we try to do what he did on the spot, but we've never done the legwork back here, we just get frustrated. The same way I'd get frustrated if I got on those uneven bars. It's silly to ask me to do that. And it's much more silly to ask me to look like Simone Biles when I'm doing that. The best that's ever lived? Come on now. That's ridiculous. How much sillier is it for us to assume we can imitate Christ's performance when he is on the spot without taking up his whole practice routine? See, performance, y'all ready for this? Miss Carolyn and I workshopped this phrase a lot this week, and this is a Carolyn special. So just get ready. Get, prepare yourself. It's going to be on the screen. Performance without practice leads to failure with a P, like Pfizer or Pflugerville. We really, we tried real hard, y'all. I promise. We tried real hard. But that's where we find ourselves, Right? Performance without practice leading to failure. That's us. That's me. I know it. I want to go and on the spot live like Jesus. I want to I be able to love my enemy. And I want to be able to bless those who persecute me. And I want to be able to do these hard things. But if I don't have practice, then I'm going to fail. And I'm pronouncing the P. 
right? It's going to lead to frustration, also with a P. (laughs) It is not easy when we do this. In fact, the commandments of Christ often feel opposing to that 1 John passage. They feel burdensome when this is our case, right? If you're like me and this is your case, the the commandments and the way of Christ feel burdensome because it's going to lead me into failure. I have tried to perform like Christ without practicing like Christ. And in any other realm, we would see this as an impossibility. But for whatever reason, in Christianity, we just assume it's going to happen. We assume we're immediately going to be able to do the performance. Ridiculous. Now, there may be some others. We didn't really have to stretch on any of these others. They're all going to start with P. It was really nice. We have some others that flip that, and they have practice without performance, which leads to pride. You've never tried it. You've never been tried, and so it all remains theoretical, and you just puff yourself up inside. If I go play golf, and I do a lot, and, and if I'm every shot, if I'm hitting two balls every time, and I'm thinking, that wasn't really great. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to pull this ball out from under that tree root. I don't really want to mess up my clubs. And I'm playing golf like that, and I come away, and I say, oh, wow, I shot plus five today. I don't know. That's one thing. I've never really tried myself. Let's say next week I go play in a tournament, or I go play with a nitpicky friend who wants me to follow all the rules. And I come out, and I've got to actually follow the rules. What am I going to get? Humbled. Quick. Because I've been building up my pride in practice, 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 without ever going out and doing anything. See, some of us in here have done this with the Christian life. We've over-disciplined. We've done over on the practices. And we've never actually gone out and talked to real people and had to deal with real situations. But I think that's a small minority of people. What we're shooting for is this last one. What it really looks like to take the yoke of Christ upon you. It looks like this. Practice with performance. Which leads to, not perfection, but it leads to permanence. It leads to this being ingrained in you. When we imitate Christ's whole life, not just the performance piece, but also the practice, then these times become easy. In the same way that when Simone Biles gets up there, her routine will in some sense be easy. She's done it so many times. She's prepared so well. When Melanie plays, let me tell you all something real quick in that Christ is Enough song. She has this part in the bridge. It's my favorite part. I almost asked her to come up and play it again, but I thought it would be too much pressure on her. But when she plays it, it's automatic. Or when Elijah's playing those lead parts or Justin's playing those really wonderful fills. Let me tell you guys, it's in a sense automatic because they've put an unbelievable amount of practice to get to this spot. And so in some sense, it's easy. Right? In some sense, it's easy because it is just in their nature see we have been called to change our nature to Christ's nature we put on his yoke we have the spirit and we've been called to live in this new life and some of us still think that the seals feels burdensome But let me tell you when you take on the new nature you're not always questioning what should I do in this moment Jesus did not go around thinking, well, I wonder what Jesus would do. 
He was Jesus. What he did was the right thing. And so when we take on the yoke, when we have the spirit indwelling us, it becomes our second nature. It becomes automatic to us. When we've practiced the disciplines, these things become who we are. This is how it functions. And what does this lead us to? Christ tells us twice it leads to rest. It leads to rest. In the Old Testament, Israel was constantly searching for rest. And mostly they were searching for rest from their enemies. The Philistines or whoever was the big dog in the day, they were going to come for them. And, and God kept providing them and offering them this rest that was going to be available for them in this new land. And that's what they'd hoped, that they would be able to let their guard down. Right? That's what rest is. They weren't hoping to be able to relax and have somebody feed them grapes. That's not, not that kind of rest. They wanted to be able to breathe and let their guard down in a sense. Now, when we are yoked to Christ, this is the type of rest we'll find. Not easy, per se, and not necessarily just, I don't have to work hard for this, but we can let our guard down. We don't have to fear our enemy creeping back in. Because in that moment, who is the enemy but the old automatic self? See, through the disciplines, we actually change and train our bodies. Your brain has created what is called neural pathways. That when this happens, that happens. They become automatic. And for many of us, that, that's just life. We, we, have, we don't even think about these automatic neural pathways. But as someone who has a daughter who has messed up neural, I'm sorry, what is the word? I've already thought, forgotten it. Maybe I've got messed up neurological pathways. My daughter was born into trauma. And so for so many ways for her, her brain, when, when specifically when she interacts with something like food, it doesn't have the same neural pathways that you and I have about food. See, we know that I'm going to eat this meal, and if I get hungry later, there's another meal. There's always going to be some food for me to eat. I have these neural pathways about food, so I can eat an appropriate amount of food at every meal. Well, that's not always the case with my daughter. She doesn't have those neural pathways. And so for the last three and a half years that we've had her, one of the things we've done is tried to be disciplined about getting her to create new neural pathways. Where her automatic response when food gets in front of her is not to hoard it. And it's not to go try to hide it somewhere. Or it's not to just totally shun it because she thinks there's something wrong with it. But it's to eat it. And to have that be the automatic process. This is the rest that Jesus gives us. The rest that comes from being able to let our guard down because our neural pathways are so that when the on-the-spot time comes, when the in-game performance comes, we've practiced. We've done the discipline and we're ready to go. This is the rest that Jesus is allowing for us. This is an invitation into that rest. But it's also an invitation into the life of Christ. It is a free gift from a gentle and lowly heart. 
We're called to come to him and, yes, rid ourselves of the burdens that we have and cast them into the arms of the Father. But it is also an invitation to follow the whole life of Christ. And we find this through the disciplines. And, and when I mention the disciplines, I, I'm talking about practices that move our bodies and create these automatic pathways. Things like prayer and silence and solitude, fasting and study. These are things that we find Christ doing. These are things that we find Paul doing. These are things that we as a church have encouraged us to. We've got Bible reading plans for you. We've got times that we've set aside for prayer. We plan to have times that we're going to set aside for fasting. We hope to be a people of the disciplines. And we're going to recognize that it is only through these disciplines, only through this practice, that we will be able to perform like Christ. Paul recognized that. That's how he was able to say, he looked at Jesus and he said, follow him, follow me as I follow him. Not necessarily in everything I'm doing is perfect, but in the sense that I'm modeling my life after the whole life of Christ. I'm taking on these disciplines. If we read Acts, if we read Paul's letters, we're going to see the same thing. That he's committed himself to prayer, to study, to fasting, to solitude, to silence. He's pulling himself and creating these new neural pathways. Philippians 4.9, Paul says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. If you want more information on the disciplines, I'm glad to give it to you. I've got unbelievable amounts. If you think I need to grow in prayer, I need to grow in understanding what it means to meditate on the word of God, or whatever it may be, come find me. I'm happy to help walk with you through that. But this is the life we have been called into, the life of the disciplines. As I said earlier, true freedom will only come through binding. True fulfillment will only come through submission. True rest will only come through the discipline. He says, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And yes, it is still a yoke and a burden. We are still uniting ourselves to something. But remember that something that we are uniting ourselves to is gentle and lowly at heart. He's the one who can save. He's the one who sacrificed everything that he was and everything that he had to provide us a way into not just eternal salvation and rest, but life and life to the fullest here and now. The salvation of Jesus from Jesus is not just a future, it is a present reality. And the disciplines are the way in which he has given us to make that the truth. So... Some in here need to answer that original invitation and simply come to Jesus. Some of you in here may find yourself in that spot. You've never laid down your own yoke before and you've never surrendered to Jesus coming as the poor, needy, weak sinner. However, many of us in here have. And some of you may find yourself like me and you need to Find the need to put on the yoke of Christ, imitating his whole life, and begin to practice what he practiced. Follow Jesus throughout the whole of his life. In a moment, we're going to have 
some people standing up front. Joel, would you come on this side in a moment? And Dean Mary Jean, would you come on this side in a moment? And, and we're going to have people up here. And so if you find yourself in one of those places, we ask that you come and speak with them. They're happy to walk with you through that, whichever one of those you may be in. But I want us to end with another song that is centered upon this passage. And let it serve as your invitation to come to Jesus. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. So let's do just that. Father, we come to you this morning in prayer knowing that you will change and move us. But Father, we pray that we will change and move Towards you, we pray that we will be a people who are disciplined, a people who move to practice what you practice, the people who will move to come to you and find rest, come to you and be sanctified, not just settling for forgiven sins, but moving into a changed life here and now. Move in our hearts. Have the Spirit convict us of sin, moving us into righteousness and obedience. Have the Spirit dwell in us more fully if He has been overcast. Father, let, us, let Him become present in our lives this morning, making us aware of Jesus, aware of the Father, bringing us to a saving knowledge of him and bringing us into a life that is modeled after his. Father, this is our prayer this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.